Reading, short and deep. Hi, I'm Jesse, and I'm Eric. And today we're reading short and deep, "The Pipes of Pan" by Adrian Ross. This was first published in Paul Mall Magazine, February 1899. Uh, I was looking through these. I, th- I think you had actually sent me um, these microfilm scans or something. I know that we were investigating some Paul Mall Magazine, and uh, in this particular issue, there wasn't anything interesting except for this. And I vaguely remembered the name Adrian Ross. Um, you may have heard of his other name, although Adrian Ross is probably more popular in some circles. Arthur Reed Ropes. Um, and I, knew, I, I vaguely recalled that they were connected. Um, and I knew this because Arthur Reed Ropes and Adrian Ross were the author of... They're the same guy. Were the author of a, <laughs> uh, of a story that got turned into an episode of Night Gallery, uh, which was um, uh, Rod Serling's follow-up to The Twilight Zone. And uh, that story was called By One, By Two, and By Three. Um, I believe it was not known uh, during his lifetime that he he was uh, the author of that, or if it was, it wasn't particularly well-known. He also wrote a novel, which sounds really interesting, called The Hole of the Pit, which... Um, is set during the English Civil War and sounds a lot like something William Hope Hodgson would have written um, with uh, some tentacles and uh, some horrible creature uh, outside of a castle. Um, But set during that period is very interesting. So I'm going to have to investigate that. But uh, I'm not a... Just for for those who were never part of the British Commonwealth... um, you're talking about the middle of the 17th century. Yes, yeah, 1640 to 1650-ish. Uh, it's a Cromwell era, right? Right. Um, so uh, that's the Cavaliers and Roundheads, and it sounds very, very interesting. This story, obviously, uh, poem came out in 1899, but um, there is no Wikipedia entry for it, but there is one for the song version, which is essentially identical to the poem. Um, there's some false information on Wikipedia about the song's uh, creation. It says that it was composed, uh, or that the the poem was completed on June 5th, 1899. Uh, Big problem with that theory, given that uh, it was published in February 1899. But we might be, somebody's talking about the, the musical score for it. Um, but the thing is, is uh, Arthur Reed Ropes, a.k.a. Adrian Ross, was heavily responsible for English musicals, like plays. And mm-hmm. I am not, uh, that is not my field of expertise. So had you heard of him in that respect? Because he was quite a big player. I, I've come upon the names of some of those shows, but mm-hmm. I have not seen them and I have not studied them. So, um, yep, I can... I can attest that he is a participant in famous works in the history of British musical theater, and that's about it. Yeah, it's one of the very interesting things about a theater is it can be incredibly popular and massive, but it is a one-off performance until you you get videotape. 
and you can right. capture it and you know it might live strong in your memory but uh you know i can imagine then you die indeed i can imagine how amazing it would be to watch the twilight zone as it aired but i wouldn't be alive to have seen it right and and until the modern era there was almost no way to to go back and find that so we're we're at a great loss when it comes to things like uh play productions um that are just lost to us except Boy, for Jesse, you're making me feel old I do remember watching The Twilight Zone as it aired. <laughs> well. Um, but I don't remember hearing the pipes of Penn. Yeah. So um, I was drawn to this immediately because I am interested in the phenomena of Pan in the – especially the late 19th century in the UK. And this is exactly that. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with the late romantic movement or the – revival of that romantic movement in England, but it is very fascinating. The yellow nineties era of, of Victorian England is super interesting to me. Um, that's why I, I picked it out. Well, then I'm going to want to hear about why you like it. I like it, uh, for a couple of reasons. One, the, uh, the employment, which is, uh, typical in English culture um, from the pre-Raphaelites on, meaning the middle of the 19th century on, the employment of tech of mythology from Greece and Rome that is being used, appropriated to make comments about the world as, as they now find it. Mm-hmm. And we see this, uh, as I say, from the middle of the 19th century on, and sometimes we don't notice it in really nifty stuff like um, Lewis Carroll, which is from the 1860s and 70s. But we do notice it in others of their contemporaries like the uh, William Morris, for instance, mm-hmm. and, and those who follow thereon. And uh, that's what you're talking about mm-hmm. uh, back into down into the 90s. And uh, I, I maybe you want to give a little sense of this or maybe we, we need to get – I think it's important for people to know what was understood about about Pan. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so Pan is a god, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, in the poem, we're going to uh, there'll be mention of a, a maiden who ran from Pan. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, the the maiden who ran from Pan is a nymph named Syrinx, which is in with a lowercase s the name of the organ in songbirds that generates their, their tweets. Mm. Um, so uh, Syrinx has become quite important. Um, and in fact, she ran. She didn't want to uh, accept the, um, the amorous advances of this goat-footed god, sort of like a centaur, but only on two feet. Um, a, a pan is a variety of what's called a fawn. Uh, and he's sort of devilish with his goat feet, and mm-hmm. he's often depicted with uh, uh, evil eyes, and uh, you know his hair goes up on the sides as if he had horns, and sometimes he does have horns. He's often depicted also with a cornucopia. Uh, the thing to understand is that Pan, um, which sounds just like the 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 piece of word that means everything. 
that Pan actually is really one of the elder gods. Mm-hmm. Pan just exists forever. He is the god of fields and, and, and forests um, long before human beings um, even cultivated them. So he's a almost he's a pre-agricultural uh, personification of a world which was understood even by the Greeks and the Romans to be potentially frightening. Mm-hmm. And there is a phrase panikon daima um, in Greek, which means fear. Daimos, one of the moons of Mars, uh, the fear the of of this god Pan. It's it's Pan's fear. It's the terror mm-hmm. that that strikes us because off in the field and off in the woods there are noises and spirits that who knows what they are and who knows what they'll do to us. I mean, to be lost in the forest still functions even into the 19th century as an image for uh, being somehow under attack, as with Little Red Riding Hood, Mm -hmm. off in the forest. And as with Little Red Riding Hood, there is a sexual component easily understood in terms of the, the panic, the fear of pan. That panicondyma becomes our word panic. Mm-hmm. So we feel panic when suddenly we look around and there's nothing human at all. We are, we're in untamed nature, utterly savage nature. So pan, you know, his little pipes of pan, you know, that's not him at all. He made those pipes by turning syrinx into a reed and then cut her up into different lengths and bound them together mm-hmm. and played his own music on her. So I think it's important to recognize that, as with some Poe poems, the pipes of Pan, seems to me, sound so nice. <laughs> but when you think about what's going on, it's a story about primordial rape. At least it seems that way to me. Mm-hmm. I maybe you know, hearing the poem, you will think differently, or people who are listening to us may think differently. Uh, maybe I shouldn't give away an interpretation so early, but you were talking about the importance of the the the, the aesthetic of the the eighteen nineties, mm-hmm. and it seems to me that this appropriation of something that can be seen as lovely and oh isn't this you know we've inherited this these are wonderful mythologies we get people like hamilton you know writing you know stories of the greeks and romans mm-hmm. um but but they knew those english knew there was something much darker lurking beneath mm-hmm. you got it uh i would love for you to read through it for us uh, at least one time and then maybe i'll try my hand at it later but we definitely we've we've got quite a story here the pipes of pen when the woods are gay in the time of june with the chestnut flower and fan and the birds are still in the hush of noon hark to the pipes of pen he plays on the reed that was once a maid who broke from his arms and ran and her soul goes out to the listening glade hark to the pipes of pen Though you hear, come not near, fearing the wood god's ban, soft and sweet in the dim retreat, hark to the pipes of Pan. When the sun goes down and the stars are out, 
He gathers his goat-foot clan, and the dryads dance with a satyr rout. Hark to the pipes of Pan, for he pipes the dance of the happy earth, ere ever the gods began. When the woods were merry and mad with mirth, hark to the pipes of Pan. Come not nigh, pass them by. Woe to the eyes that scan, wild and loud to the leaping crowd. Hark to the pipes of Pan. When the armies meet on the battlefield and the fight is man to man. With the gride of sword and the clash of shield. Hark to the pipes of Pan. Through the maddened shriek of the flying rear. Through the roar of the charging van. There skirls the tune of the god of fear. Hark to the pipes of Pan, turn and flee, it is he, let him escape the can, ringing out in the battle shout, hark to the pipes of Pan. Yep, and all of those exclamation marks you're hearing, they're on the page. Um, (laughs) uh, Woe to the eyes that scan this uh, poem only with their ears, because it is illustrated on every page. Um, I, I would have loved to have seen these in full color, which I assume they were uh, prior to publication, uh, maybe even prior to scan. Um, but uh, in the first image, we've got, there he is, Pan with his, his uh, hoofed feet, his furry legs, his pointed ears, and uh, goat-like uh, horns atop his head, piping on the bones of that woman who dared refuse his advances. Um, Pretty striking image. And he's staring off into the bush. In the second image, we have uh, Pan uh, jumping out or coming out from behind some ferns. He's looking past a, a little waterfall. And it seems to me that that's a young woman there washing or something perhaps uh, bathing or about to bathe. She's in trouble, yo. (laughs) Last image we have of Pan um, frolicking in a a wood and looks like there's some Paniski, the uh, followers of Pan, um, approaching some nude ladies and uh, many, many a flower. So one of the sort of interesting things about the phenomena of Pan is that he seems to be like a code, a Victorian code for um, wildness outside of proper propriety. Um, One of the things that was happening in the 19th century is they were uncovering uh, the ruins through archaeology of uh, places like Pompeii and Herculaneum. They were recovering all sorts of treasures from these uh, eastern lands. And uh, the lore that they had from books like uh, the Odyssey were becoming visualized in a way through statuary. Um, And there is a museum in London where such stuff is collected. The British Museum is one of them. And uh, they had a special section of stuff that was not put on display. Because it was too shocking for the general public. And amongst them uh, is a statue of Pan raping a goat. Um, (laughs) You know, penis uh, symbols were everywhere 
in the Roman world. But that was not referenced in the Victorian society as a whole. It was present, uh, but never shown. And its presence is often through the symbol, symbolic use of pan. And the yellow 90s I was ta- talking about at the beginning um, are really interesting. They give us Oscar Wilde's materials, which generally doesn't deal with, uh, you know, uh, the ancient Greeks, although he was certainly aware of them. But it also gives us um, proto-science fiction stories like uh, The Great God Pan by Arthur Mackin, which is a novella from 1890 and then expanded in 1894 uh, that combines this sense of wildness of of biology with the terror of science and in a story like that we we get uh, the the great god pan never appears but his presence is within us and i think that that's to be seen in this story um pan is uh, you were you were saying this poem yeah, in this poem, yeah. which I, I see as a kind of a uh, a story as well, although it, it doesn't feel that way, especially as it gets to the end, right? It's saying that Pan is, as you were rightly saying, always, he was an elder god, right? Uh, it makes us think of Lovecraftian things, but literally, he is pre, um, pre-other gods in the sense that he is not one of the Olympian gods. He is before them. Um, Indeed, he, before the Titans. I mean, he's... Indeed. Yeah. Um, he is not a, a, a god like Ceres, who is a god of grain. He's the god of shepherds. And shepherds uh, need to take care of their flocks from bandits, from predators, uh, and from nature. Um, <laughs> and it, it, the use of um, the piping as a symbol of... Uh, panic here is it is the poem hark to the pipes of pan it's the repeated line at the end of every every set of words hark to the pipes of pan hark to the pipes of pan this is uh, goes very much to the idea that lovecraft has in his uh, famous uh, essay supernatural horror and literature that the oldest and strongest emotion uh, is fear um, this is, uh, uh, in Romanticism also, is a focus on fear, awe, horror, and especially terror. Um, and you don't get that in the city often, right? It's usually in the sense of being unshielded in raw nature. And Pan is such that he can eat you, he can fuck you, and my god... There's no protection. It's very, it's it's a very very powerful symbol for this era, and yet this poem doesn't say that exactly, but it does say that when the woods are gay in the time of June, with the chestnut flower and fan, and the birds are still in the hush of noon, hark to the pipes of pen. That makes it sound nice, but when we get to the end, we've got this the horror of war. Through the maddened shriek of the flying rear, through the roar of the charging van, there skirls the tune of the god of fear, hark to the pipes of Pan. That's human on human violence. 
but that little war between you and a predator trying to eat you, or if you're thinking of the flocks being preyed upon and defended by a shepherd, it's it's very powerful and very base, very much about a hidden or suppressed truth about fear and the relationship between fear, food, and sex. I agree. I agree. I think that the poem is written with enormous care. Hmm. Um, that that line that you just quoted to us again, or part of it, and the birds are still in the hush of noon. Mm-hmm. It's at that point, hark to the pipes of Pan. That's the first time, those first four lines, with the fourth line, hark to the pipes of Pan, the first of all of the repetitions of the, that particular line, the, the, the crucial line for the story, is first audible when the birds are still. Mm-hmm. And it's an interesting ambiguity. Um, I mean, the birds are still in the forest, you know, they're there, they're still there. But of course, following with in the hush of noon, we're reminded that in full sunlight, somehow under the cover of the, the, the dense canopy of the forest, the birds stop their singing. And when they stop and there is that silence, then we could hear the pipes of Pan, but we don't necessarily, because it seems so beautiful, because it's the gay time of mm-hmm. June and the flower and the fan and so on. It's, it seems so wonderful. But the speaker here is telling us when there is finally enough silence, when things are still enough, then for goodness sake or for your sake, hark to the pipes of Pan. And then he begins to explain why, because he played on the reed that was once a maid. Uh-huh, how did he get that? Uh-huh, he, he played on the reed because he killed her. Mm-hmm. He, he abused her. He dismantled her. And so what we have here is a growing recognition. We have been seduced by the beauty of nature mm-hmm. of which he is a primordial God. And it's only by raising our own voices that we can recognize that his is still there. Pan, as you said, is hidden. Pan represents the dark impulses that the Victorian era saw as so dangerous that they even even had to have long coverlets on pianos so that their legs wouldn't show. These people were as tormented by the idea of hidden sexuality and mayhem as modern people are who who feel that they must keep their women utterly draped mm-hmm. lest of course something will erupt destroying them their family and their society the society is at stake here we start with a simple image of pan in the first illustration and as you note by the last one there's a group of Peniski mm-hmm. and a group of females, and there is the verge of rapine everywhere. So my question to you, this is not unlike most of the songs, the majority of the, of the, the lyrics that Adrian Ross is known for. This wasn't apparently composed to be part of musical theater. Mm-hmm. So I have to ask... 
here in the Pall Mall Gazette, sorry, Pall Mall Gazette, mm-hmm. I'm an American, um, here in the Pall Mall Gazette, who is saying hark to the pipes of Pan? This isn't a lyric. It's not someone thinking to himself, ah, I must remember to hark to the pipes of Pan. Is this a man telling other men, beware of your own impulses? Is it a woman saying, watch out, there are these? Who is saying this and who is being warned? Mm-hmm. And I'm asking you, I, in the structure of this poem, can you infer that? No. No, I don't think that, uh, obviously, in the musical production we heard uh, that's on YouTube, and I will put a link to it in the comments for this show, um, it's, it's performed by a man. Um, but uh, as you also note, uh, it's, he's preying on women. Pan is preying on women here, um, or cavorting with mi- women with his penisky. Um <laughs> But that is, again, I think, quite uh, misleading because... Male-female relationships are allowed. <laughs> male-male relationships, or male and, uh, as in the god Pan, not caring whether you're male or female, is a real phenomenon from ancient Greece, right? That what they they thought. And if you go to the Wikipedia for entry for the uh, for the god Pan, um, and they'll sh- they'll show statuary that they found in Pompeii that show you know. Pan teaching his uh, younger boyfriend uh, how to play the panpipes. It, it uh, which is itself a metaphor. Indeed, indeed, um, he is pansexual. <laughs> it it, it no, is. It's not a, it's not a joke, Eric. It's, it's etymological. No, I'm saying yeah, it's not absolutely. A it's, he is pansexual. He 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 is so base, so important to understanding our own um, selves. One time. Years years ago, you suggested we do a show on food uh, for our science fiction podcast, um, and I'm like, food? And I didn't realize at the time you had really thought about this. Um, it is absolutely based to our nature, and so much of science fiction is about food that you wouldn't guess that. Just you know, it, you think rocket ships, you think aliens, yeah. But sometimes they're it, they're in that rocket ship. Because they got a cookbook. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, twin to food is becoming food. Fear. Fear of being the prey. And sexuality and sexual reproduction requires food. There is no, no thing a creature can do that requires more energy than reproducing itself. It it is the most, as we all know. You know, if you're trying to have kids, it's expensive to put them through school. But it's expensive for birds to eat food for themselves and then regurgitate it into the mouths of their babies. They starve for their children, and this idea of of getting things real, real base and seeing reality for what it is in nature, that is what Pan represents, and I think. That it, 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 this poem is very interesting because it's saying, well, it's not just about nature, is it? Because by the end, we're pitting man against man in the in uh, war, which, you know, no, most of the time we don't think is about sex and food, <laughs> but it is about fear. You know, 
I, I think you're right. I, th- I think you're right. I think that this fear is is based because it it sees it it arises from what those fields could have become, what this forest could provide. I mean, before agriculture, he was still out there. Mm-hmm. And if we wanted to gather nuts and berries or um, try to wrestle down a wild boar, uh, we were in Pan's world. It's interesting, if I may, take that thought about the fear and the base nature uh, back to the question I asked, who is is speaking and to whom? And you make me think of something. It's very important in reading to, to think, even usually it happens only unconsciously, what is here as opposed to what could have been here. Mm-hmm. The refrain in this story is, hark to the pipes of Pan. It isn't flee from the pipes of Pan. No. Right? So it's a warning, all right, but it's not a warning that says that you can evade those base realities of human nature. It's a warning that says you need to understand what is potential in the base reality of human nature. There's all the difference in the world between flee from the pipes of Pan and hark to the pipes of Pan. This is a, this is a warning told by someone to acknowledge fearfully, awesomely what he is. Uh, uh, 100% Which, agree. by the way, uh, thank you. Well, you mean there's nothing more to say? Ah, uh, no. Because if we listen to that song that you've linked, we'll hear, I think, a musically different interpretation. I have uh, one uh, line there that confirms what you're talking about. This is so interesting to me because it 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 backs up your idea of listen, don't be afraid. It means pay attention. Uh, for the for he pipes the dance of the happy earth ere ever the gods began when the woods were merry and mad with mirth. Hark to the pipes of Pan. So it isn't a it isn't a judgment like he's an evil creature, and he does look like Satan, right? The only thing that makes him doesn't look like Satan is the tail and the redness <laughs> and the and I guess a trident, right? Um, but he otherwise he has goat ears, he has goat go, a goatish beard and a goatish horns, and goat legs. He is essentially Satan in look, but. He, he is not there as an evil force. He is raw nature as it is. And it is beautiful, merry, mad. Indeed. But mad, of course, isn't angry. It's crazy. It is, it is beyond rationality. It is something that we have to recognize, but we can't, we can't think it through. This is pre-Cartesian. This is something... That we've tried to cover with words and logic and arithmetic and mathematics and and treaties and laws. (laughs) But when you see something, something else happens. Hark to the pipes of Pan. He says it once. He says it again. And there's always more to say. Thanks very much for listening. And remember, you can always freely access the materials discussed on these podcasts 
by going to sffaudio.com and clicking on the link for Reading Short and Deep. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash sffaudio.com.